Welcome to the Women of Yesen podcast. I'm your host, Sophia, and this is an invitation to join me and our amazing guests to find inspiration and insights into your own journey to Yesen. If you ever feel overwhelmed or confused along the way, I'm also here to support you so you can tackle your challenges with confidence and make progress towards this lofty goal. To find out more about my work, check the episode description and make sure to subscribe. Well, إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر Bismillah wa salat wa salam ala Rasulillah. Welcome to the Women of Yassan podcast. Today I am joined from Preston in the UK by Hanan Aslam Alandri. Hanan is a keen hiker, a performance mindset coach, and a firm believer in living life authentically, aligned with her strengths and values. After changing careers several times and experiencing setbacks of her own through redundancies and rejections, she's become an expert in unsticking and optimizing her clients' hidden potential so they can thrive in their work, career, and life without the overwhelm. Hanan does that through one-on-one -on -one coaching, masterclasses, and talks working with women and businesses. It's an absolute pleasure to have you today, Hanan. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for inviting me. It is a pleasure to be on here with you. Um, the pleasure is uh, is mine. Thank you so much for uh, giving me your time today. Uh, I know um, you have a very busy schedule. I was very interested in hearing more from you after we have had some uh, some discussions together. To start with, uh, can you tell us about yourself, your background, maybe a bit about your childhood? Yes, love this question. So, uh, thinking about my my childhood, I grew up in Preston in the UK. And I think as a as a child, I spent many of my summers going to Morocco to visit my family. That was our main holiday that I always used to look forward to. So I spent a lot of I spent a lot of time with like my aunties and my uncles growing up as a, as a child. And I'm from quite a large family as well. I have a lot of siblings and. I'm very family orientated. So when I started to think about my career back in college, I actually wasn't sure what I wanted to do or what I wanted to, to become, even though as a, as a child, I'd always dreamed of being a teacher of some kind. And I really wanted to get into teaching. But My life changed a little bit and I ended up doing something completely different at college. And it, it wasn't until I went to university that I, I accidentally went into a course to study TESOL, which is teaching English to speakers of other languages. Mm -hmm. So I went down the path of teaching English and I absolutely loved it and really enjoyed it. And that took me to Madrid and in Spain, where mm -hmm. I taught for a couple of years there before coming back to the UK and pursuing a few different types of, of careers. So mm -hmm. it's been quite the journey up until up until now. 
Yeah, and I'm, I'm very curious to, to know more. Is there a specific story that you would like to, to share with us? Yeah, of course. So I think the, the story of where I got to now as being a performance mindset coach is a very inspiring story. And it's definitely been a journey to get to where I am right now. Mm-hmm. It's not always been a, an easy path and it's not something that I knew exactly um, what I wanted to do. And I'm going to go back into uh, over 10 years ago, actually, where I, I started my career in getting into the world of learning and development. Mm-hmm. And that's really where my coaching journey started. And I remember back then when I wanted to get into the world of learning development I applied for the job and I heard nothing back and I didn't let that put me off I kept going and kept applying for the job until eventually I was invited to an interview mm-hmm. and I remember going to that interview feeling nervous but I did really well in in the one-to-one setting and I I passed that stage of the interview and they invited me back to do a presentation and this is where everything went a little bit upside down mm-hmm. and I remember sitting there waiting and speaking to all the other candidates that were also going to do presentations and they were telling me how experienced they were and how many years they they'd been training for and I started to sit within my own thoughts thinking what am I doing? Why am I here? I'm not sure that I'm capable of this. Imposter syndrome coming. (laughs) Yeah. And once I got down that train of thought, there was no coming back. So when I delivered my presentation, I was incredibly nervous Mm -hmm. and I didn't get the job. Mm -hmm. But I didn't, I didn't stop there. So I made sure that I spoke to the training team to come and observe them one day because it was an in, an internal position. And I came in on my day off to observe them, which was really good to, to help me enhance my, uh, my skills. And um, I had applied for the position again because it became available. Mm-hmm. But the the hiring manager actually withdrew the application before I could actually go ahead with it, which was very disheartening. But then she left for one reason or another, and I was actually invited to the interview again. Mm-hmm. So this is the same job that I've been trying to apply for at least a couple of years. Subhanallah. <laughs> and finally, I was invited for the interview, and I... I put my all into it at this point. I researched everything that I could do. And I did my mini presentation. I had my one-to-one with them. And I I still remember the day like it was yesterday. I remember it was a Friday and I was waiting in the kitchen for a phone call. And suddenly Mm -hmm. my phone rang. Mm -hmm. And... I was very calm on the phone and when they they spoke to me and they were asking you know is this Hanan and then they said we'd like to offer the job to you Uh and I was absolutely ecstatic because I've been trying to get into learning and development for such a long time Mm -hmm. and they finally let me like they gave me the role and this is 
you know, I'd gone through rejection. I'd gone through the hiring manager withdrawing the application. And she actually told me that they were looking for two experienced trainers to hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. They never recruited for those two trainers. Instead, I was recruited for the position. And that's going back 10 years ago Mm -hmm. when I got that position. And since then, I've been in the world of learning and development. But what happened about four years ago now, I went through my second redundancy. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I'd already moved around so much within learning and development. And I was in a role that was my dream role. I absolutely loved and really enjoyed helping people. And I was in a position where I was coaching people, I was training people. And I remember coming in one day. It was a normal working day and I came into the the office and I remember seeing a meeting in the calendar and I remember going to that meeting thinking the worst and the worst was announced. I was made redundant from that role and that literally flipped my world upside down and that was four years ago and then I did a lot of networking to get into another role but then I found my path in coaching. Mm. So I I started off as an in-house coach, coaching women in-house. And I very quickly learned that there's a lot of women in the workplace that are feeling stuck. They feel like their voice isn't heard. And the 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 job that they're in is not the right job for them. They have lots of commitments with their children, needing to take them to school and to be available for their families. And I found that the job was very stressful for them. Mm-hmm. And so I started coaching them and I, I started to realize that there's a there's a need to to help people because these people are feeling stuck, right? Yeah, definitely. And some of the women that I've coached have been in those positions for years and haven't seen a way out until I started coaching them. Mm -hmm. And then the doors started to open for them. They started to feel more confident within themselves. They started speaking up and they either improved the position at work or they left and they found a better career for themselves that fit within their lifestyle. And I, started my business Salama Coaching back in 2021 about a couple of years ago now and that was I'd already been coaching I was a a year into the coaching and I I realized it was a coach actually that said to me um have you considered coaching people outside of work as well and not just in work and I, I thought to myself oh that's a really good question. Why am I not doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what I'm thinking now is you you've been helping all of these women, and mm-hmm. so sometimes it just takes someone from outside, someone with experience and like just say let's just say an expert like yourself, to have a conversation with them to get unstuck, and like you, you are the coach, and it's yeah. with coaching too. 
a coach that you had a new a new door opening for you. Sometimes all it takes is just someone outside of our of our heads to get this clarity. So it's really um really amazing journey that you've been sharing with us. And um, what I wanted to know is throughout all of these up and down, ups and downs, um, how did your your faith help you overcome the challenges? How did it shape your perspective? Yeah, I think through the you know the 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 trials and the rejections it's it's been a lot and one thing it has done is is built up my resiliency and one thing I absolutely live by is when one door closes a lot opens many many more doors for you and at the time of of going through hardships like redundancy it can feel like the world is ending and there's no other opportunity and you're you're losing your income stream but it's never it's never as bad as we think it might be and I I think I I used to have a a fear of losing my job Mm -hmm. and not having any work this used to be a very big fear of mine and I realized that actually Allah has written everything for us and we can plan but Allah is the best of planners. And this is something I live by every single day. And it has it's strengthened me. It's made me realize that as long as I'm heading on the right path and I'm putting the work into what I'm doing, then it's, it's going to be okay, no matter what happens. So it's really going through these rejections and redundancies has really strengthened my resiliency. And it's it's really made me turn more to Allah to appreciate that I'm Muslim and I I get to to pray and, and to to focus on my faith. It's it's really supported me. I think without it, I'd be very lost. Yeah, um, most most of us, I think it's uh, it's it's just the way it is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's what's holding us, um, what's keeping our head our head above water. I would say sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, Alhamdulillah, are there any misconception or limiting belief that we're holding you back, or maybe something because you talk with so many women, mm-hmm. um, something which is really coming up very often. And in your opinion, what's the best way to to overcome these limiting beliefs? So I'm going to start with sharing something that like personally happened to me um, mm-hmm. with a, a limiting belief. And I'll, I'll start there. And I used to have this limiting belief that because I'm Muslim and because of my name, I would struggle to find employment mm-hmm. and I struggle to find a job that is right for me. And I've realized that this stems back from when I was working in Madrid as a teacher. And I've never actually shared this story before. So this is like a, a new story for people to exclusive to story from Hannah. Please go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I remember getting this uh, job and, and being really excited in a in a school in in Madrid, mm-hmm. and I'd I'd already been there for a year, and this was a, a new job, and I remember teaching, and within the second week, 
I noticed that the students started to question me where I was from, my faith, and all of these kind of questions. And I started to notice a bit more of a like hostility within mm-hmm. the classroom. Mm-hmm. And then I was called in to the school on a Saturday, which was my day off. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting the train into the school, not knowing what was going to be said, what was going to happen. And I remember coming into the school and they had a meeting with me. And she, the the lady told me that they were going to let me go. And Mm. they didn't want me to teach at the school anymore. And I was very upset. I was very young at the time. And... I was very confused about what to to do. I didn't know what my rights were or anything like that. And I realized the reason she was letting me go was because I was Muslim, Mm -hmm. but because my ethnicity is Moroccan as well. Mm -hmm. And I realized that was the reason why they were letting me go. And that really uh, played on my mind. It really upset me. And I remember coming back uh, home and at the time I, I ended up going to like my, my uncle's house and, um, you know, they, they comforted me, my uncle and my family there said, like, don't worry about it. You know, there are better things uh, out there. And I, I listened to them and within a couple of weeks, I found another school that I could go and work in, which was in the area that I was living in, in Madrid. Mm -hmm. And it was amazing. That school was brilliant. And I loved teaching at this new school and they trusted me with a lot. But even though I proved myself that as a teacher, I had all the skills that I needed. But at the time, it it knocked my confidence. It made me think, one, am I no good as a teacher? And two, is anyone going to accept me because of my faith and because of my name? And this really played on my mind and it affected me every time I went for an interview after that. Mm-hmm. I, I ended up coming back to the to the UK um, and every interview that I went to I questioned whether they were going to accept me for who I was and that subconsciously played on my mind because it made me downplay who I was once I'd got the job so in terms of things like going off to to pray I thought I have to do this in secret Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not say anything in fear that I was going to lose my job and then it somewhere along the lines it you know that that changed and I I realized that I was living in a fear of an old fear I realized that Mm -hmm. this one occasion didn't define Mm -hmm. me for the rest of my life or whatever career that I go into and I realized that the best way when going for a job is to be upfront and to tell them what your requirements are to tell them when Ramadan's going to be coming up, that you're going to be fasting and that you need certain adjustments to be mm-hmm. able to adhere to that. And 
I realized that after that, since going to other companies and finding, a, you know, a, a prayer room somewhere to go to pray, I found that actually the people were more respectful and very understanding and very curious to ask questions. So that one limiting belief that happened a long time ago from that event, it's it doesn't have to define the rest of your life. And I also believe that if a company does not appreciate you for who you are, mm-hmm. then they do not deserve you working for them. And how do you, like when we when you see someone who's clearly having this kind of limiting belief from the past, some, maybe mm. something bad happened in the past, how do, you, how do you help them overcome that? Yeah, so this is something that I work um, with a lot with a lot of my clients. There's a lot of limiting beliefs from the past that, that hold them back. And the way we work through that is to, I get them to to journal it, but also in our coaching sessions, I'll ask them, okay, so what exactly is, what what thoughts have you got in your head that's holding you back? And I get them to share every single thought, everything, worst case scenario. And then I say, okay, so after that, what have you done differently? What's happened afterwards? What positive experience have you had afterwards? And they realize that, even though they have this limiting belief, they have been able to positively do other things to override that, but they've not added the two and two together because Mm -hmm. as humans, we focus on the negative. We focus on the bad experience. We can have about 20 good experiences and one bad experience will sit on our mind and really affect us. And the the best way to overcome that is to address it, to understand it. And I find with my clients doing it in the session, but also getting them to write it out and journal it so that they can sit there with their thoughts and address their fears and question, okay, why am I fearful? What is this? What's stopping me? And I find that a lot of fear that comes up and why it's a limiting belief, they're afraid of what other people are going to think of them. This is a big assumption. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People are afraid. And it's a human thing. There's still times when I'm like, oh, I'm not sure what this person's going to think of me. And the way to overcome that is to have a conversation with that person Mm -hmm. and to just do it anyway. Because there are always going to be people in the world that judge. So no matter what your limiting belief is, if you go ahead and go and do it confidently, what's the worst that could happen? And that's another thing that I get my clients to do. I say, what's the worst that could happen? I get them to list everything out. And then we go through each individual thing. Okay, so if that happened, and then they correct themselves, they go, well, that's not going to (laughs) happen because I'm not going to allow it to happen. Like, right, okay. So let's go on to the next thing. And it's it's rewiring those mm-hmm. negative thoughts into positive and realistic thoughts that gets someone from feeling stuck within their shell to being confident and being able to just go for it. Yeah, that's uh, some great, great uh, piece of advice that you gave us here. And I hope um, that uh, some people listening to this now are going to feel more 
confident and maybe apply that because I'm I'm hundred percent sure that a lot of people can relate to that. Like, okay, why am I thinking like that? Why is it holding me back? As a coach, how would you like your Islamic values to reflect on your work? I would like my Islamic values to to show through my humility and integrity as well in terms of everything that I do through my work is is honest it's always truthful I would never lie about something I would never make something up and I want people to see that through my work and that goes with working with my clients I will never tell them what to do I will always ask them questions so that they can make that decision themselves it's you know completely up to them what they choose to do and it's got to be the right decision for them but also having that humility as well is really really important because I don't like to show off and I know that a lot of my clients when they work with me when they've got interviews coming up and and they tell me I don't want to show off I don't want to look like I'm you know I know it all or anything like that and I'm like it's okay you're not you don't have to show off as a, a know-it-all. Just be honest and authentic with yourself. And that's how I use my Islamic values of being authentic and honest to myself and being true to people and being faithful. And I, I use that in my work so that people can understand that they don't have to be somebody else. They can just be themselves. So I like to think that it, it shows through like everything that I am the way I am, the way I am generous and, and kind. It's all goes back to my Islamic values. So maybe what I want to, to ask next, next is a bit uh, similar, um, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm also interested in knowing how, what it means for you personally to strive to become a woman of Yesen. Okay, so for for me, it's linking back. So everything that I do is questioning, okay, how does this fit in to my religion? As a Muslim woman, how does this fit in? Am I doing the right thing from showing up on videos and talking on Instagram and the things that I post to how I show up in my client sessions when I'm when I'm coaching, it's all going back to, is this the right way that I'm doing it? And also it's focusing on my priorities as well. I talk a lot about finding your purpose and prioritizing. And I I always tell people to put themselves first, which is right. People do need to put themselves first, but there's more to putting yourself first in terms of as a person, what do I need as a person? Well, for me, that's praying. It's reading the Quran. It's making sure that I am not always focused on my business and I'm focusing on myself and what I need as a person. And it's making sure that it doesn't clash and what I do doesn't compromise. And that's being a role model and and showing people that, you you can wear hijab, you can have a career with hijab on and dressing modestly as well. This is something that I strive to, to do all the and go, time. And go hiking. 
and go hiking as well. <laughs> yes, I absolutely love the hiking. One of the reasons I like to to go hiking, it's it takes you outside into nature, away from the busy day-to-day hustle. And it's a reminder of Allah's creations. When you mm. go hiking and you get to the top of the mountain and you see the view it's amazing subhanallah i've never seen anything like it before and it always refreshes me and it helps to put things into perspective that i'm on top of a mountain and i can see views for miles and and miles and it's absolutely amazing and i only made it to the top through allah's will to get to the top of the mountain and it serves as a, a reminder that the the creations are, are beautiful but it also makes me think about if this mountain is so beautiful what is Jannah gonna look like and this is why I love one of the reasons why I like to go hiking because it makes me reflect and it makes me think. MashaAllah that's beautiful that's beautiful I just um if I ever go to to Preston, <laughs> I'll be sure to uh, to go hiking with you. <laughs> yes, definitely, inshallah. <laughs> inshallah, inshallah, why not? So apart from hiking, being in nature, can you share some of your routines that you do on a regular basis and which you think is uh, really helping you achieve your success? So for a while now, I would say for a good few years, I can't remember when I started it, but definitely for a long time, I have got into the routine of going to bed as early as I as I can as possible so that I can get my sleep in so that I can wake up early in the morning I find that waking up early in the morning it it gives you that extra time before you start your working day and to just focus on yourself and the one of the the best things that I love to to do at that time in the morning is to to read the Quran and to to make dua and to focus on an an hour or or more if I can for at least an hour to just focus on my religion and what I need from it I find that that has really helped me to be successful and then when I go about my working day I always get a walk in like every single day so whether the walk is in the morning maybe it's in the afternoon to break the day up or maybe it's like after work to just like to go around and finished work and I'm ready to relax for the evening mm-hmm. I'll always get a walk in this is like a a non-negotiable for me how long do you walk so I go for at least half an hour mm-hmm. um, some days I'll go for an hour some days for longer but it's always a minimum is half an hour mm-hmm. so that I can get out I find that that half an hour walk is is just enough to refresh your mind to to think because when you walk it helps you to place your thoughts and to think properly and I actually find that um, a lot of my content comes from going on a walk because mm-hmm. I can have all these amazing ideas so when I come back I have to like jot them all down. That's amazing I see that some people they, they go for a walk and they actually take notes as they are walking so that we don't forget anything that's being that's coming to to mind, Subhanallah. Uh, that's really amazing. And um, again, I'm just asking you these kind of you know routines and uh, what's mm-hmm. helping you because 
I'm sure it can be so beneficial for others. Like I'm learning so much uh, from you and everyone who's coming here. Uh, so Alhamdulillah. Another thing which I'm also really curious to know is what's your vision, your why, what what kind of impact you want to leave? Yeah, so this is um, something that I've been thinking about for uh, a while in terms of like what my why is. And it, it started off with, one, I want to build a, a legacy for people. And also I want to be uh, known for helping people, for, for serving, for doing something good, something that is going to benefit me in this life, but also in my afterlife, in the Akhira as well. Mm-hmm. And I thought in terms of like coaching women, I find it so powerful when I coach these women because it's it's opening doors for them. It's giving them a new life for them to to focus on meaningful impact because I believe the the woman is you know women are so powerful anyway in general because if you think about all of the tasks that they take on from being a mother a daughter a sister potentially you know um a career woman and depending on what career they have like they are so valued in the family and if something is wrong in their career and they're feeling stuck, that leaks into the rest of everything that they have, their family, um, their children, you know, the brother and sister, the mom, the dad, it all affects everyone. So being able to work with women so that they get unstuck, so they're thriving and they're happy and they're confident. For me, this is, this is everything. Like it's, it's given them like that new life of uh, confidence to have. So it's come like my, my why is thinking about the afterlife and how I can be of service in this world to, to the best that I can be. And for me, that is through coaching women. Mashallah, we have that in common. So I can totally get that, and uh, may Allah, may Allah Subhanahu wa Taala grant you tawfiq and um, open open these doors and uh, make it even more impactful, inshallah. Inshallah. What message or piece of advice you would like to give to the younger sisters in the audience? I would I would like to say when you when you go to university, choose your subject wisely, but also know that that subject can go into various different ways in your life afterwards. It doesn't have to be that you're in that career for the rest of your life because your situation, your circumstance will change. What worked for you well at the age of 20, 21, 22 may not work for you when you're 30 or 40 or when you have children, you have a family and you get married. So Think about what's going to work for you, but also find a a career that's going to support you and your life to give you that flexibility, to give you that balance so that you can focus on the most important thing in life. And yes, your career is important, but the most important thing in life is being a good Muslim and adhering to the rules. 
That's a, that's a great piece of advice. Thank you so much for that. Before we, we finish the interview, is there anyone you would like to see on the podcast as a guest? And what would you like to ask them? I love this question. So immediately, um, Marwa came to mind. So Marwa Al-Gabi, she is the owner of Studious Muslima. And she works with uh, young women who are uh, students, so through um, college or, or university. And I think she she's an excellent role model. And I think the question um, to ask her would be, what um, what inspired you to become the studious Muslima? And another question I'm going to, to put into that is, how is that benefiting the students of this generation? That's interesting. Interesting. I, I need to I'll look her up and yes. reach out to the invitation. I want to know too. <laughs> I will share the details with you on how to contact her. Okay. Okay. I will, I will certainly do that. I'm, I'm interested in anyone who's, who can have an impact and, mm-hmm. you know, be an inspiration, motivation for all the, all the women out there. Uh, so Hanan, thank you so much. Last thing before I let you go, how can people find out more about you? So they can visit my website, which is www.salamacoaching.com. Mm-hmm. And they can find me on Instagram as well. This mm-hmm. is one of like the main platforms that I use. And you can find me under Hanan Salama Coaching, or you can find me on LinkedIn. So if you uh, type in Hanan Aslamalandri on LinkedIn, I'll, you'll find me there. But I'm going to give. Find... <laughs> I'll give all the details so that uh, people don't need to to take notes. Inshallah, uh, right. in the description uh, or wherever you're uh, listening to this, either you're on the podcast or on YouTube, uh, you will find everything in the description below. Again, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing all of this from your life experience. Some uh, tips for us and uh, some great advice. I really love the time with you. Thank you so much again. Jazakallah khairan. Everyone who's listening, please feel free to reach out to, to Hanan and myself. You'll find all the details in the episode. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Jazakallah khairan. Wa assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. <laughs>